show, we begin a new study on Sunday evening, God Among the Nations. And we're going into the fact that God rules these nations, and he uses them like we do tools, like a mechanic uses tools on a motor. God uses these nations as he rules among the nations of the world. And uh, what we learn from the Old Testament is the fact that whatever forces provoke God in the past to take benevolent or punitive action, when it's reproduced today in 2021, 22, it will uh, provoke the same type of divine response. God still rules among the nations. We saw, as we finished our study two weeks ago, we saw that the Lord has all authority now in heaven and earth. He's the one that rules, the one who is, uh, who is the, uh, uh, the Logos, the Word, uh, that embodiment of all that God is and the revelation of all that God is. And so we saw, we saw that as we finished our study that he's the one who has all authority. He's the one that rules in the nations. He's the one that uses America, Russia, China, and all the other nations uh, combined for his purpose. And we know from previous studies God's purpose in creating this world was for redemption of mankind. And he knew that our worth and our value would be in the maturing through, the, uh, through this world of trouble. He told Isaiah, he told, uh, he told Israel in Isaiah 49:10, I believe it is. He said, "I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction." In the fiery trials of life, God has chosen us uh, to redeem us. A man has no worth until he's matured. That's why we work on our boys at home. We raise them and train them and teach them. We teach them principles that will uh, mature them and see them through life and all of its difficulties if they will adhere to them. And so God rules these nations in regard to his theme of redemption. He has one purpose for this whole shooting match called the cosmos, and that is to produce in it sons and daughters. All right, so our study uh, this evening will be to look at the ancient nations. And here we're going to see examples of God uh, among the nations of the past. Uh, and how he uses them. To begin with, we'll look at Israel, God's chosen people. And incidentally, we're, this is not a, a concise study in that we go into all of the histories of the ancient past. We don't have time for that. You can do that on your own. So if you got a sharp pencil, I'd advise you to write down the scriptures that we're going to look at, take them home, and you can read before and after and in between and everywhere you want to, and you can put together the, the an understanding of God's rule among the nations to a complete uh, through that complete process of studying. 
but we don't have the time here. It's not our purpose or intent. And so I will show you scriptures, and uh, we'll talk about those scriptures and what they meant in history. Uh, but if you want the background to all of these things we're looking at, write the scripture down and go home and read it. That's what we're supposed to do anyway, isn't it, if we're students of the Bible. All right, so the ancient nations, we're going to begin with the first one, Israel. Here was a theocratic nation. Now, you all know what theocratic means. It means God governed or God ruled. God chose one particular nation out of all the nations, not because of their virtues in any way, he just made a choice when he called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees. And he, he built a nation called Israel, or the Hebrew family, from Abraham. There's all descendants of Abraham. And there was nothing that qualified him. God just chose a nation to work out his purposes and promises through by the prophets. And so here was a nation... As Hebrews 10 verse 1 says, was a shadow of better things to come. And that's how God used it. But let's look at the establishment of Israel, this theocratic nation. The promise was to Abraham to make him a nation. Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Now Jehovah said unto Abram, Abram, which become Abraham later on, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto the land that I will show thee. And here's God's promise to him. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and, and be thou a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and... Him that curseth thee will I curse. Uh, and there was the blessings to this nation particularly. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. As he spoke later on uh, of this blessing being uh, a descendant from Abraham. From thy seed all nations of the earth will be blessed as he spoke of the Christ. If you want to sometime go over to Galatians the third chapter. And you read Paul's explanation of that very theme that God called uh, Abraham and through his seed all nations of the earth be blessed. And that seed, Paul says, was Christ. Uh, anyway, you can see the promise here to build a great nation, the theocratic nation known as Israel or the Hebrew people. And so that was fulfilled at Sinai when the descendants came out of Egypt because God immediately after delivering Abraham's seed he take, took her as, a, as a, a, a husband would a wife and he took and separated her from Egypt and from Palestine and from all the nations round about because he wanted to speak to her and he wanted to make a covenant with her and that's what we see at Mount Sinai and so God delivered them and took them down to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, this one in the same place. And there's where he covenanted with Israel. And we'll get around to the covenant later on. Uh, but uh, 
So here we see in Genesis 12, God's promise to Abraham to make him a nation. And that was fulfilled at Sinai. Look at Exodus 19, verse 1 through 6. <coughs> in the third month after the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, now here they've been delivered. They're now under the direction of God, the leadership of God. The same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, Mount Horeb. And when they were departed from Rithidim and were come into the wilderness of Sinai, they encamped <coughs> in the wilderness, and there Israel encamped before the mount, Mount Horeb. And Moses went up unto God, and Jehovah called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be mine own possession." from among all of the peoples and the nations and the tribes. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so when you read that with uh, the intent of studying what it says, it's God said all the nations of the earth are mine. But this one particular one God chose to use as a tool. And, of course, when, to make that short, uh, Hebrews 10, 1 again, God used Israel to present a shadow of better things to come. And so all their sacrifices were shadows of the real sacrifices that would be made by the Lord Jesus Christ in our behalf. Uh, everything in the Old Testament was a pattern, a type of what would come to pass when Jesus inaugurated the new covenant. And so he chose this nation to do just that. But their longevity was based on them listening to God and, and following Him. Now God worked it all, right, all out, but you know from our study of the minor prophets, God told them in the last days you're coming to an end. There'll be that day when you have finished your work that I gave you to do. I'll be finished with you as a tool. Of course, that's when Christ came on the picture. Now the covenant made at Moab with Israel as a nation is presented in Deuteronomy 29 and verse 1. And there were conditions that we're going to look at. Uh, Deuteronomy 29 verse 1.
These are the words of the covenant which Jehovah uh, commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. And so here we see that there was two covenants that God made with the, children, the Israelites, one at Horeb and one here at Moab. And uh, uh, the condition of retaining the land uh, that they were to possess and did eventually possess found in Leviticus 26 and verse 14 and following. Leviticus 26. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments and if ye shall reject my statutes and if your souls abhor mine ordinances so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. Now here we see a picture of God's rule among the nations, particularly Israel in the past. I will appoint terror over you. Now that ain't the God that's being preached today in the denominational world. To them, God wouldn't hurt a fly. But here we find out that he's told Israel, you mess with me and I, you just violate my covenant and I'll be a terror to you. And we know the history that he was a terror to them. I will appoint terror over you, even consumption and fever. And that, uh, and shall consume the eyes and make the soul to pine away. And ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemy shall eat it. You won't eat it. Your enemy will. I'll bring the enemy on you. I'll bring another nation on you. And he did, time and again. Uh, Sad to say, what you just said about the uh, denominational world, preaching yeah. a different God. Sad to say, but Church of Christ, some churches of Christ, yeah, like oh, they yeah. do, they're preaching that same God. We're not to fly. Yeah. Well, the Church of Christ is not the Church of Christ based on just a name on the board outside the building. Exactly. Uh, John said, uh, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have went out into the world, and there many false prophets who use the name the chief Church of Christ. Up in Alaska, I was up there working years ago, and to my discovery, I found out that the, the uh, Mormon church who calls themselves the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints, that is, is that Mormon? Yeah. They called themselves for a long time, from the 1800s when it was established by Joseph Smith, they called themselves the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they ran into too many people like us that made a distinction and showed them that there is no Latter-day Saints. Uh, we're all saints of the one covenant that God made through Christ. And so we are the church of Christ. And do you know they dropped off the last part? And they deceive a lot of people. A lot of people going, I'm looking for the church of Christ. Uh, 
visiting up there, and they'll see that sign and walk right in. Of course, proof of the pudding's in eating, and that's what John said. Beloved, believe not every spirit. John, 1 John 4, 1. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits to see whether they are from God. What are you going to try them with? Well, John 17, 17. Jesus prayed to his Father, and he said, Father, sanctify the believer in thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so we use the word of God as the truth to try these spirits by. And if they don't measure up, then they're not necessarily the church of God, the church of Christ. All right, so, but here we see God uh, promising what he'll do to the nations if they walk contrary to him. God didn't build this world and just wind it up like a clockmaker would a clock and then set it on a shelf and just watching it unwind. He's intimately involved in every millisecond, in every hour, every day, every week, every year. He's involved in life. And he, like Daniel said in Daniel 2 and verse 28, he changes the times and the seasons. And he, in that context, he's not talking about the weather. He's talking about the critical periods of history. And so, but I want to bring your attention to one translation of King James that says it a little different than American Standard. Verse 16, I will also do this unto you. I will appoint terror over you, even diseases and fever. That's what King James says. Where does these diseases come from? From God. There's not a blade of grass grows out here that God didn't command it. Where did, uh, let's bring it home. Where did COVID, is that the name of it? COVID-19, where did it come from? Or just shocked God. He didn't know. He's the creator, you know, and the sustainer. And has all power and all wisdom, but it just happened. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. God sent it. God sent it. And has he has he caused this nation to sink into stupidity? He certainly has. Has he made the wise man stupid? Yes, he has. If you can't see it, it's because you haven't been reading your Bible. But in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, Paul makes it clear that God chose the foolish things of the world to confound those wise and smart people. And he chose the simple things of the world to bring down the mighty. Those men who think they got all the answers and knows every stuff. And there's another passage in the Old Testament. I forget where it's at. God brags about being... The one who drives the diviners mad. You know what a diviner is? The definition of a diviner is one who tries to forecast the future. Whether it's in regard to the weather, or the politics, or uh, the finances, or regardless of what it is. God shows man that he don't know it, that it's not in man that walks to direct his own steps, as the proverb writer said. And God proves it that way. And if you can't see it, you haven't been looking. You know, some of us walk through life looking down. We don't even see what's up ahead of us. We don't see where we was before because we're not looking around. We're content to eat our food and have our fun and just continue one day after another 
just like a robot. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to be, a follower like a robot and follow him. The passage was Isaiah 44, verse 25, about driving the diviners mad. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Isaiah 44, verse 25. Yeah. So here God says, uh, he warns them, verse 17, And I will set my face against you, and you should be smitten before your enemies. Oh, well, God wouldn't do that, would he? I mean, after all. Any of you seen the killing fields in Vietnam? Any of you seen the killing fields in in uh, in uh, Russia? Have you seen the killing fields in South America? They have altars down there where the blood ran like rivers in their sacrifices of humans. Did that happen outside the power of God? No, it did not. There was people who rebelled against God to the point that he had enough of them, like Sodom and Gomorrah, and they are no more. So mark it well, as we've said many times over, your history book is nothing but a directory through the cemetery of nations that once were and are no more, simply because they wouldn't listen to God. He has a purpose for man on the earth, and it just isn't to wander around and feed his own appetites. He has a definite purpose that God expects it. As Jesus said, we're the planting of God. We're like trees in a vineyard. He planted us. And all he gets a lot of times is just leaves. He don't get no fruit. And that's when he digs around it and dungs it. And when it still don't produce fruit in another year or so, it's cut down and burnt. And I will set my face against you, and you shall be smitten before your enemies. They that hate you shall rule over you. And you shall flee when none pursueth you. And if you will not yet for these things hearken unto me, then I will chastise you seven times more for your sins. Now seven, incidentally, is a perfect number. It's a complete number. That's the way it's used in the Bible. When you go back to the history of the language, the Hebrew language, you find out that numbers spoke greatly in their conversations. And seven was a complete number. You'll read in, in Revelation 4, for example, Jesus has the seven spirits of God. The completeness of God is the idea. All right? <clears throat> so, uh, they'll be the recipients of God's seven sore judgment. And I will break the pride of your power. What power? The power of the kingdom. And God promises here, I'll break it if you don't walk in my ways. And I will make your uh, heavens as iron and your earth as brass. And your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its increase. Does God control the crops and the stuff? Yeah. You ever heard of the, of the Oklahoma turning into a dust storm, dust bowl back in the 20s, 1920s? Yeah, <laughs> and 
all them people move to California and become Californians. Man. Neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Well, that's as far as uh, I want to read. You can go ahead and read all the way through there. Oh, well, let's go ahead and read a little further. And if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. And I will send the beasts of the field upon you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make your uh, make you few in number, and your ways shall become desolate. Who made the crocodile that eats those children over in Africa? Now you got to get this idea out of your head that God is this old fellow with the beard and wouldn't hurt a fly. He's warned the nations. He's warned you. Look at the people who has went to hell because of drugs and alcohol and things when they wouldn't listen to God. Just wouldn't listen. Bullheaded, strong-minded, determined to go their own way. And God destroyed them. Did he use drugs to do it? Yeah. Did he use alcohol to do it? Yeah, he did. So maybe you're beginning to see a God that you wasn't familiar with before. <laughs> That's the God of the Bible, the God of history. The God who rules these nations. And if by these things you will not uh, reform uh, unto me, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary to you. And I will smite you, even I, seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you. Now, that doesn't mean a literal sword. It means another nation that has authority and power that he gives them to come upon you. That, that sword can stand for an AK-47, an AR-15, some of our modern uh, uh, weaponry. Uh, I will bring a sword upon you that shall execute the vengeance of the covenant. And you shall be gathered together within your cities. And I will send the pestilence among you. That's disease and things. Does God send those? Yes, he does. If they got here without him knowing about it, then he's not all powerful. And he's not all knowledgeable. But because he is, there's nothing happens down here that he don't either command or allow. One or two. And you should be delivered unto the land of your enemy. When I break your staff of bread, ten women shall uh, break your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. And if ye will not uh, for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary unto you in wrath. In wrath? God walking in wrath? You better believe it. And history declares that. Look at the ugliness that's destroyed many nations because they walk contrary to God. And I also will chastise you seven times for your sins. 
And ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. There's two occasions in history that the Jews ate their own children. The last time they did that was in A.D. 70. Titus, the Roman general, surrounded that city. And the Lord in Matthew 20, uh, 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, in those gospel accounts, he warned them about the destruction of Jerusalem. And he said, when you see the city compassed about with armies, you better run. You, there's no time to get up and fight. There's nothing to fight for. This is the kingdom of this world. You better run. They didn't because they didn't believe God. They didn't believe the Lord. They stayed right there. And uh, there was a Walter Cronkite of that time. Uh, what was his name? Josephus. My memory. Josephus. Josephus. He was a historian like Walter Cronkite, or maybe you can think of some modern uh, news commentator. And he was accepted by not only the Jews because he was a Jew, but he was also accepted by the Romans. And he was out with the Roman army as they laid siege against Jerusalem. And you can read it from Josephus' writings. You can still buy his book that tells about his histories because he was a historian. And he told about the, the shock of what went on inside the walls of Jerusalem. The Romans starved them people till finally they ate their own children just as God told them they would right here. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your uh, sun images and I'll cast your dead bodies upon the bodies of your idols and my soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities a waste and will bring your uh, sanctuaries unto devastation. And I will not sm uh, smell the savor of your sweet odors that you offer to me. And I will try the land, I will bring the land into desolation. And your enemies that dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And you will I scatter among the nations. And I will draw out the sword after you. And your land shall be a desolation, and your cities shall be a waste. I thought it'd be good to go ahead and read all that, because maybe the God that you have in your mind is not the God of the Bible, or of history, or of this cosmos, this world. You're dealing with a God of love. First John one, uh, 1 John 4, verse 7. God is love. He's a very fountain of love. But he don't toy around with disobedience. You can spit in God's face only so long and so many times till you become history because you'll be that tree that's cut down out of the vineyard and burned And yet you read about God, he's not willing that any man should perish, but that all come to repentance. But we're seeing the reality of God's dealing with these nations if they won't listen to him. Now America has a long history of casting God out, don't they? Don't they? 
You remember years ago they started casting, you couldn't have prayer in school anymore because of one woman called Madeline O'Hara. You know how she died? Her enemy kept her in captivity for a while and then they cut her up in pieces. Did she deserve that? Did God allow that? Yes, he did. She was a wicked woman. She raised a boy and used that boy uh, in her philosophy that you should, as an atheist that you uh, uh, can't have prayer in public school. One woman with one vote voted out the whole 350 million people in America. One woman. And we were so stupid, we went along with it. Well, I think. No prayer in school. No carrying Bibles. No reading scripture uh, in, uh, uh, in study hall. Uh, the, the picture, well, you know the picture. It's ugly. And when God had had enough of it, guess what happened? You're seeing it right now. There's a revolution going on. Haven't you noticed it? And God in his patience and his love for humanity is patiently waiting and he's bringing about a revolution, a, tur a turnaround, isn't he? And have you ever heard so much talk about God and about the truth and from the word of God as you hear now? You didn't hear that a few years ago. You do now. Because God rules in the nations. And his purpose is redemption. And that goes against redemption. And so God steps in and does what he promised to do here to Israel on this occasion. Look at verse 38 if you're still there in Leviticus uh, 26. Look at verse 38. And ye shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. Now look down uh, verse 40, the last of verse 40 and following. Because they walked contrary unto me, I also will uh, walk contrary uh, unto them and brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept the punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember. And so here's a passage that declares it as ugly as we get as people, as a nation, when we repent, God is waiting for it because he, he's not willing that any man should perish. And so God will remember when we repent. So here's the, that was the condition of retaining the land that God would give them. Now look at uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapters 28 through 30 because here is what is called the covenant of blessing and cursing. And this covenant, because God does not change, He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, 
Malachi 3 and verse 6, God says, I do not change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Always the same. And because of that, <coughs> this covenant that we're fixing to read that he made with Israel, this covenant is the way God performs with all the nations. Now this one was at Mount Horeb. And this was specifically on this occasion with the Israelites. But this is how God operates. And so all the nations, including America, Russia, China, you name it, is answerable to the conditions of this covenant. Let's turn over and read it. Deuteronomy 28 to begin with. 28 through 30. verse 1. And it shall come to pass that if thou hearken diligently unto the voice of Jehovah thy God to observe to do all his commandments which I command you this day that Jehovah thy God will set thee on high above the nations of the earth. That's what God does for people that repent. God's people. You remember what uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may do what? Exalt you in due time. And then verse 11 finishes it out by saying, After you've suffered a while, and you will, you'll suffer. Whether you're godly or ungodly, it doesn't matter. You're going to suffer. And the last thing you want to do is suffer ungodly. But if you, uh, it says, the text says, after you've suffered a while, he will establish, strengthen, and settle you. All right, so, uh, and all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake uh, thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of Jehovah thy God. There's the condition under the word if. If, 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 if. If you hearken unto his voice. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. And blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. And the fruit of the ground. And the fruit of the beasts. And the increase of thy cattle. And the young of thy flock. Blessed shall be thy basket. And thy kindred trough. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. And blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Jehovah will cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thee. Now, let me stop right there just for a minute. Let's relate this to America. America's been strong in the nations of the earth, hasn't it? It stood for 230 years up till now. And now our enemy's starting to laugh at our stupidity. We got a president that don't even know what day it is. He's leading this nation, and the other nations are looking at it saying, boy, we can walk right through that nation. We can take it, because it's left God. It's left common understanding. Voted in a Democrat by the name of Biden. The only thing you can say about Biden, there's a little song you can say, Biden, Biden, he's been hiding. Where's he at? His basement. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jehovah will cause thine enemies to rise up against thee and 
to be smitten before thee. Uh, they shall come out against thee one way and shall flee before thee seven ways. And America has had a long history of being supreme among the nations because they believed in God, because they established their constitution right out of this book and the principles presented in here. And now we've got a whole nation of people that don't know the Constitution and wants to throw it out. They want to tear down all of the images of our past heroes. Even if they was wrong, they're still our heroes, still our history. They're getting away with everything but murder. Now they want to resurrect their heroes, but they, like... Uh, 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 Joseph, uh, uh -oh. <laughs> Martin Luther King. They got an image of him now that they want to put up after they've torn down all of ours, like Robert E. Lee and all of the rest of them that you can think of that were heroes in our nation. Some of them might have been wrong. Maybe you don't agree with Robert E. Lee, but he was one of our history heroes. They don't want our history. They're destroying the very thing that made us great among the nations. And so, you watch us being as we unwind among the nations. We're in shame and almost in shackles right now. Our economy is a disaster, everything about it. I'm not trying to tr preach politics, but yet politics is presented when we look at how God rules among the nations. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. I love America. This is my home. But we're going down through the ideology of idiots. Our school teachers are teaching uh, and continuing this race separation by bringing up color differences continually. They're even wanting to teach our children that because they're white, they ought to be ashamed because they're the enemy. We didn't hire them to do that, did we? I thought we set up schools to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. And we got kids graduating that knows everything but reading, writing, and arithmetic. Does that tell you anything? They shall come out against thee one way and shall flee before thee seven ways. <clears throat> Look down at verse 9. Jehovah will establish thee for a holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee. If, now there's that word if again, everything is contingent upon what you do toward God. How you react to God. He's not going to accept your stupidity and your foolishness. He loves you and he will teach you if you walk with him. 1 John 1, 7. But you're going to be walking in the light. You're not going to be walking in human wisdom and human reasoning. And incidentally, that's what you get from the pulpit a lot of times today. It's just human reasoning, human wisdom. If thou shalt keep the commandments of Jehovah thy God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that, that thou art called by the name of Jehovah, and they shall be afraid of thee. And Jehovah will make thee uh, plenteous for good, 
and fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, and in the land which Jehovah thy God swore unto thy fathers to give thee. Uh, verse 13. Jump down there. And Jehovah will make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only that thou shalt not be beneath. If thou shalt hearken unto the commandments of Jehovah thy God, which I command thee this day to observe to do them. Uh, now there's a turning point at the end of verse 14. It turns from the covenant of blessing to the covenant of cursing. <coughs> but if it shall come to pass that if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of Jehovah thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city and cursed shalt thou be in the field. And it goes on and on just like it did in the blessings. Only this one is a cursings. Uh, verse 25. I'm skipping down through here because of time. Jehovah will cause thee to be smitten for thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them and shall flee seven ways before them. Now that was just the opposite in the covenant of blessing, wasn't it? Your enemies would flee from you uh, seven ways. But now you're the one that's fleeing seven ways. Will God allow America to go into captivity? He already has. He's allowed us because we won't listen to him. We're too busy listening to the smart people that come out of Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Cambridge, and the great edifices of man's wisdom and knowledge. And that's what's destroying us. That's what's destroying us right there. And yet there's parents today still trying to save money to send little Johnny to college. You want to send your kid to hell? Send him to college. You don't believe that? Have you visited any of these colleges? I have. I know what goes on there. But the main thing is what they teach. You go to college to be an engineer. You go to college to be a, a whatever. Do you know in taking the courses of your vocation that you chose, do you know that the colleges insist that you take a semester or a study of religion, religions of the world? Did you know that? That's required. You just don't go to college and say, I just want to be an engineer. Uh, that's all I want to study. Oh, no, no, no. The devil says, look, boy, we run things around here. I'm in charge, and you're going to study world religion. What are they going to teach in world religion? They're going to deny everything in the Bible, and they're going to teach the Bible to do it. You send them to a brotherhood college called a Christian college. In order for that college to be accredited, it has to have teachers that are approved 
and credentialed by this world. They got to have a bachelor's degree in teaching. So here you have an atheist because the money's good. He hires out to a Christian college to teach the Bible. And he teaches the Bible. He starts in Genesis 1 and begins to read. He gets to the creation starting right off. And he, he preaches man's philosophy. And he laughs at the stupidity of what the Bible says about the creation. Why everybody knows it involved, but uh, we're teaching the Bible, so here, you know, it says this. Then when he gets to the miracles of deliverance from Egypt, oh, those weren't uh, miracles. Uh, those were natural happenings. The river Nile turned to blood, and Pharaoh and all them people lived there all their lives, and they didn't know blood. They didn't know that. They didn't know that that uh, that that river flowed down through in a flooding zone, in a flood time of flood, and brought red clay down from the mountains and turned the river red. And uh, Proverb and uh, Pharaoh didn't know that. And the incest, of, uh, all those plagues, they will tell your children laughingly, oh, those were just natural phenomena. To them, there is no miracles. By the time your kid gets out of college, he's an atheist. He may not tell you that because of respect out of you. He'll go to church services with you when he's visiting with you and things. But the college you sent him to made him an atheist. You want to do that? You ever listen to Paul Harvey? He's dead now. But Paul Harvey told this nation that education was a tool of the devil. That it was the devil's design for destruction of humankind. Nobody listened. Nobody listened. We're listening now, aren't we? Because they have grown so stupid and we can't ignore how stupid they really got. Bro, if you want to do a crash course or a fast course instead of a four-year college, send them to Hollywood. There you go. <laughs> well, that's in California, isn't it? And thou shalt be tossed to and fro among all the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, verse 28. Jehovah will smite thee with madness. Well, he's done a pretty good job of that, hasn't he? He smited us. We wouldn't listen to him, so he smited us with madness. And, will, uh, and with blindness. And with astonishment of heart. You wonder how come the Democrats can't see the ugliness of this stupid president we got and how he's destroyed everything? He hadn't done anything. He's destroyed everything he touched. And even the courts now are, are, are on the verge of telling him, you back up and you set everything in order like Trump had it set. Because it was working then perfectly. Well, God blinded them, didn't he? That's what he said he'd do here. Well, anyway, you can go ahead and read through chapter 30, 
36 and 37 before we get out of there of chapter 28. Jehovah will bring thee and thy king whom thou shalt set over thee unto a nation that thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers. And there thou shalt serve other gods, wood and stone. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb and a byword among all the peoples, whether uh, Jehovah hath led thee away. Thou shalt carry much seed into the field, and shalt gather in little, for the locusts shall consume it. Well, we could go on, but that's as far as I want to go, and our time's up. And so... So I'm going to mark it right there. We'll continue with that next week. It's going to take a while to get through this study. I think you can see that. We'll pick up a little speed later on, but right now we're looking at principal things, and those principal things bespeak of God's rule among the nations to the nth degree. He'll curse a nation. Uh, we've seen it. And when you look at them killing fields, and maybe you've never seen them, but they're awesome. They're ugly. Have you ever been to Auschwitz and seen the millions of shoes and glass eyeglasses and different things that they took off of the, the Germans took off of the Jews before they massacred them, before they killed them, and gassed them in those chambers? And they took those little kids and experimented medically on them. And no telling what they done. Paul was right when he said, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He said also, for our God is a consuming fire. That is not the God that's being preached today. <clears throat> He's a very loving God, very tender-hearted, and He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. But there's the other side of God, because Paul said in Romans 15, 4, he said, Behold, therefore, where are you going to behold it? Right here, and in history. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. He has two sides, the good side and the severe side. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, Severity, but under thee goodness, provided you continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also should be cut off. So just go ahead and screw around with God. And look at all your friends and your neighbors that's done that and defied the living God and laughed in his face. A lot of them has done went the way of drugs, haven't they? Went the way of alcohol. You ever look into an alcoholic's eyes? There's nobody home. You're sitting around somewhere stewed. 
And there, there's no thought in him. He's give up. He has no hope. He has no goals. He's a derelict. I like that poem that somebody wrote years ago. There's a ship floats past with a swaying lurk. No hopes, no, no sail, no crew, no spar. And she drifts in the paths of her sister ships to the place where the other dead ships are. The song of her crew is hushed for aid. Her name no man can say. You see, she's ruled by the tide and whatever wind blows. And no man knows where the derelict goes. There's a man slinks past with a, with a swaying lurk. No hope, no goal, no star. He drifts in the paths of his brother men to the place where the other wrecks are. The song of his youth is hushed for A, and his name only he could say. He too is ruled with the tide and whatever wind blows, and no man knows where the derelict goes. You ever looked into the eyes of a drunk, of somebody on drugs? You want to let God allow you to have it. He's allowed the, the Mexicans from Mexico to bring it over, hasn't he? By the ton. You have to make those choices. Why don't God do something? Why don't the police do something? Why don't somebody do something? No, God will not rob you of your personal choice. You want drugs? It's there. You want alcohol? Hey, it's there. You want immorality? Yeah, the world's full of it. It's your call. It's your choice. It always has been, always will be. But you'll answer to God, maybe here and now as well as hereafter. But nevertheless, you'll answer to God because he's a consuming fire. And it's a fearful thing to fall into his hands. Thank you for listening to me.